Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is Peter's words to us in our epistle lesson. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And this is the very word of our God as it is found for us in 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, the Great Commission season is almost over with. We're down to the sixth week, and so far we've been looking at the church down through the ages and how God used them to shine and spread the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. We've seen some incredible things. We've learned about how they made great sacrifices to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did it under trying conditions, but they often did it with great zeal and zest. Today, our history takes us to more recent time, and specifically to the founding of this congregation in 1978, when a missionary by the name of Dan Worcester was sent here by the district, the Michigan District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He began the Lord's work here in Saline along with a small group of people, some of them you've seen this morning, who began to plant the seed of God's Word. And how did they do that? I'm sure they did it by knocking on doors. Not only knocking on doors, but inviting people, encouraging people, and bringing people with them to hear the good news of the gospel. Again, some of those people are still here with us. And as you heard them say, they can tell you firsthand that founding a church, being the church, is hard work. Uh, All of them have reminded me, Jack just said about how at the UAW Hall, every week they would go over there the night before after the activities were over with, and they would have to set up chairs, and there was an altar that was portable or movable. It had to be set up each and every week, and then it had to be put away, and all the other things needed for worship. Again, hard work, but again, through their service, they were being used by God to establish this church. You know, God knocks, God knocks on the doors of every generation. And so it is that God knocks on our door today, giving us more opportunities so that more and more people can hear the saving news of Jesus Christ. You know, that's one of the reasons why we've been involved in strategic planning and taking a look at how will God use us in the years to come? How will God use us? Of opportunity is God going to continue to place before us. Christ our King's grown from a small group of people, literally, to hundreds. But what can we learn from them? We can learn that doing God's work means God was with them every step of the way. God was with them in their work, just like God is with us in our work today. He's with us through the path. Excuse me, the power of his word. And, and, and the question is, before us today is this. How do you go about, though, building a church? I mean, how do you do that? Well, 
How do you build a church that will give glory to God? How do you give a church that will give witness to the love and the power and the majesty of God? How do you build a church that will make an eternal difference in the lives of other people? Well, of course, the first thing that you need is a blueprint or a plan, a plan that meets the highest standards. The next thing that you need when you build a church is a foundation, something which to build on. And when it comes to the foundation, you dare not scrimp. You also need the uh, highest quality materials when you build. Now, if I was building a church, I'd build it out of bricks. And I build it out of stone because those last a long time. Peter wanted to build a church just like this. Peter had a good plan, a far-sighted plan. He also had the benefit of the fact that a foundation had already been laid by the prophets and the apostles and by Christ himself. And for Peter, cost wasn't a problem because the cost of this church had already been paid in full. Peter also had an expert builder in mind, a builder who really knew what he was doing. But you know the difference between the church in which Peter was building and the church in our day and age is far different. There are many churches across this country that were built with good plants, highest quality materials, built on a good foundation with an expert builder. And yet many of these churches across our country today, can barely get enough people together for a worship service. And some of them stand empty altogether. church that Peter was building that he describes here was always growing. It was always adding to its numbers. The fact of the matter is, the early Christians had no building in which to assemble. They met in many different places. I seriously doubt if they met in a UAW hall. But they met in people's homes. And as they continued to grow in their faith, their church increased. Generally speaking, they did exactly what Peter told them to do. By faith, they came to Jesus. By faith, they came to the living stone. And so in turn, they became lively stones themselves. They kept coming, and as we heard in the children's message, they were firmly attached, not only to Christ, but they were firmly attached to one another, doing together what none of them could ever do alone. You know, Paul in his epistles uses over, I think it's a hundred plus times, he talks about being in Christ, about being how important it is to stay in this eternal connection with Christ. Again, as they came, they didn't come just as individuals, but they came as people. People connected to Christ, people connected to one another. Contrast that, though, with many congregations today that have beautiful buildings and facilities. But too many of these churches today have lost touch with Christ. Probably told you this before, but back in 1947, all of the Christian churches got together. 
And they got together and they said, can't we all agree at the same thing, that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Again, to their utter amazement, they couldn't agree to that. Many churches have lost touch with the chief cornerstone. Not only have they lost touch with Christ, that's why I like the Reformation theme for this year. It's all about Jesus. It always has been, and it always will be. They not only lost touch with Christ, but many have lost this sense of belonging. First members of this church, they work together. You know, you learn a lot about someone else when you work with them. When you work for a common purpose and a common goal, doing together what none of them could do alone. Again, many churches that are established, church growth experts have studied this, and they find that many churches grow rapidly in the first 30 years of their existence. And when they reach the age of 30, they often plateau or go in the opposite direction. Now, why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons for it. But the two main reasons are this. Number one, when a church gets a building, much of the focus is directed at maintaining the building. The second thing that slows down the growth of the church is when a church gets I'm not suggesting that we uh, tear down the building or get rid of Pastor Don and myself. But, again, it can happen so easily that we can lose our focus. Our mission is not the building. The mission is not the pastor. The mission is to proclaim the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, it's hard work. The church that Peter was talking about here was not a building. It was a community of believers joined together by the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Peter called Jesus, what? The living stone. You know, ordinary stones by themselves are lifeless. One of the jobs that I had as a kid was uh, picking up stones on my father's farm. And then one time my uncle hired me to help him build his golf course in Macon. And there were all kinds of stones on this property. So my brother and I, we took the old farm wall tractor, we put it in low gear, and we had a stone boat behind. We just let the tractor go by itself. And all day long for a whole week, we threw stones on the stone boat to the point that we had more than enough stones to fill up the whole front of this church And my uncle only paid me a dollar a day. (laughs) But stones are lifeless. Sometimes I got so sick and tired of picking up stones, I felt like kicking them. But I knew that probably wasn't a good idea. Stones are often just ordinary stones. But imagine when you take those stones from a field or a quarry, and when those stones are hewn and fit together... They become this magnificent structure. Again, that stone structure is built around a cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He was the stone that was rejected. 
by sinful people. He was rejected by the builders. The builders in his day were the uh, religious leaders, the Pharisees. They even killed him. But God raised him from the dead. And so now Jesus is forever the living stone. Or in that one hymn we sing, he is the rock of what? Ages, which the body of believers rests upon. Every one of us who has come to faith in Jesus Christ, as such has become a living stone. Now Jerry Dibley tells me he's the, uh, the stone guy here at church who builds things and repairs stone structures. He tells me there is a difference between stones. He says some of the stones are dead and lifeless. And there are other stones, he says, you can ask him when you go out if I'm giving him, give him the right direction here. He says there are green stones. Or in a sense, there are stones that are alive in a sense. And he says when you build something, you can't use dead and lifeless stones. Dead and lifeless stones are the kind of stones that are out in the weather. And they dry, dry out. And so when you begin to mortar them and fit them together, the mortar sucks into the dry stone and the mortar becomes weak and the structure can fall apart. So I ask him, where do you get green stones from? Living stones. I didn't know if he's pulling my leg or what. But green stones are stones that are in the ground and they have moisture in them. Think about us. We were like those dead stones. We were buried with Christ in our baptism, but he raised us again to a newness of life. God the Holy Spirit, working through the word and working through the sacraments, not only giving us life, but fitting us together in this body of believers. Becoming living stones, we must ever and again keep coming to him in true faith. It's like a light bulb. In order for a light bulb to shine, the switch has got to be turned on. It's got to be connected to the source. So it is that our life must be connected to Christ, abiding in him as he abides in us. So I'm just about done here. So the lesson here for today is what can we learn from those who have gone on before us? What can we learn from those who founded this church. We learned that many of them stepped out in faith. It was hard work. They were persistent. They kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of their faith. Many of them were called to different places. Many of them went to different parts of the country. I know some of them even as they went from one part of the country to the other, a couple of them helped establish new churches wherever they went. And no doubt some of the founding members, no doubt some of them may have fallen away. Some of them may have grown complacent. Some who were once baptized and confirmed here at Christ our King, but have since fallen away from the Word of God and the fellowship of believers. You know, today's lesson stresses the importance of building our faith, staying in connection with Christ and with one another, 
God really knew what he was doing when he established the church. He knew that we couldn't go it alone. He knew that the devil is in the destruction business. And the devil is always trying to separate us from God. He's trying to separate us from one another. Every member, every believer in this church is important to the body. Every one of us. And as a member of this body of believers, God calls us to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Doesn't mean that he's calling us to uh, earn our salvation, because that's already been completed for us. He's calling us to respond in gratitude by using the spiritual gifts that he's given to us. Our time, our talents, our treasures, and building his church. What a blessing it is to be used by God. You know, our spiritual sacrifices include such things, probably as setting up chairs at times for worship, or witnessing, or teaching a Bible class, or giving witness to our faith. Today we thank God for those who went before us. Today I thank God for you, who are building God's church here, right here and right now in your families, in your community, and even in this church. And one last thing, remember what holds us together. What holds us together, the mortar that holds us together, is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ shed from Calvary's cross to win for us and give us what we desperately need, forgiveness, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. His name we ask it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the people that you bring into our life. We come to church on Sunday morning. We come other days of the week. And there's always people here who care about us, who speak an encouraging word. Some of them may even give us a hug. Some of them listen to us when we're down. Some of them uh, rejoice with us when we rejoice. But Lord, we know the best friend we could ever have is you. Or wherever your people are gathered together, there you are in our midst, encouraging us, knocking on uh, the door of our heart, putting all kinds of opportunities before us to be a light, to lighten the lives of those who do not know Christ. So Lord, give us your power by the Holy Spirit. Give us your zeal to let our light shine. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.